Can you pull up Psalms 2-4? He, God, who sits in the heavens shall laugh. <laughs> Isn't that cool that God laughs? That he is a happy guy. It's not all about serious, 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 serious. He who sits in the heavens shall laugh. And I want to turn from there to, uh, to Genesis 21. Verses 1 through 7. And the Lord visited Sarah as he had said. And the Lord did for Sarah as he had spoken. You remember the story. Everybody knows the story of Abraham and Sarah and the promise of God over Abraham and Sarah's life that through their son, the descendants would be as many as the sands of the beach. Right? We all remember, and we, and we remember that story, and it's such a, 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 a powerful, powerful story. But I just want to read the scripture that goes along with this. When it was come to fruition, what had happened, what, when the promise came to fruition... For Sarah conceived and bore Abraham a son in his old age at the set time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son who was born to him, whom Sarah bore to him, Isaac. Then Abraham circumcised his son Isaac when he was eight days old, as God had commanded him. Now Abraham was 100 years old. That's an old man. Now Abraham was 100 years old when his son Isaac was born to him. And Sarah said, God has made me laugh. And all who hear will laugh with me. She also said, Who would have said to Abraham that Sarah would nurse children? For I have borne him a son in his old age. It's like, the part that I want, to, I want to visit with that is, How is Sarah going to celebrate this? He's, she's going to laugh. Like, oh, it's not all get all serious and I'm down on my knees. And it's like, oh, thank you, Lord. And everyone that knew would laugh with her to celebrate. Are you hearing me? It's like, yes. He is a God that loves to see laughter, that loves to hear laughter. And when I say see laughter... You know what almost always precedes laughter? And when we begin to laugh, <laughs> Look, show me a laugh one time that has, doesn't have a smile attached to it. <laughs> Craig, you're getting close, but I don't see any laughing. <laughs> it's like, and when we smile, we bring joy to other people. I can remember... Yeah, 
wandering around with a bunch of guys in my early, early days, and we did things that we weren't necessarily shouldn't have been doing, but we're wandering around through parks and stuff, and because of the condition that we were in, we just walked around with a goofy smile on our face all the time. And when we came back together, we said, wow, did you notice everybody smiling at us? What's going on? It's like, oh, it's because we were walking around with goofy smiles on our face. If you want to encourage people, if you, if, if you want people to celebrate with you and see the joy of the Lord in your life, what should we be doing? Walking around with a goofy smile on our face and looking for a reason or an excuse to laugh. He who was in the heavens laughs. He celebrate. He ended up... <laughs> Causing Sarah to laugh and celebrating with Sarah. Those who celebrated with her, they laughed with her. Not at her, with her. It's like, thank God that this is happening in your life. <laughs> you beat all of the odds. 90 years old and you're nursing a baby? <laughs> oh, wow. A hundred years old and you're fathering a baby? <laughs> it's like, what is the likelihood of that? Man, let's just laugh at that. Of having the breakthroughs that Pastor Matthew was up here talking about, the breakthroughs that only God can do and can accomplish for us. Like, oh, as we celebrate that, well, that's impossible. How in the world could that possibly happen? Let's just laugh at that. <laughs> God can do it, can't he? God in heaven laughs. Ah. Oh. Steve Backland and his, you know, he's one of the most intentional leaders and teaching leadership and stuff. And when he first started coming around and that whole, we have to fake it a little bit, laugh stuff, it was something that was a little troubling to me. But when I realized how intentional he was and how important it is that we make declarations and then laugh at the enemy when he comes against the declarations that we make, it's like, you know what, that's amazing. And how powerful it is when we can just laugh at that. We should try that again this morning. We gotta have smiles first. I'd see less than half of the smiles. Let's just laugh at that over here. Let's just laugh at that here. <laughs> That's better. Let's just laugh at that. Anything God says is possible. The enemy says that's impossible. Let's just laugh at that here. There's nothing impossible in God. And God in heaven laughs. Let's just laugh at this impossibilities. Our thinking, we need to open our minds, open our hearts, open our spirits, and expand the possibilities even through laughter. It's like it's amazing how we can limit the possibilities in our lives just through our stinking thinking. That will never happen. Listen to the voice of the enemy saying, that ain't, that ain't likely to happen to you. It's like, who do you think you are? I think I am chosen. I think I am anointed. And when it's by 
God, through God, in the name of Jesus, we can claim it. All his promises are true, yes and amen, and they're for you and for me. I like that. Let's read Job uh, 8, verse 21. Now, this is Job after we're into chapter 8. And it says, He will fill your mouth with laughing and your lips with rejoicing. Ah. Let's all just smile one more time. I just love to look at all the smiles out here. Yes, thank you, cheat. Ben. Thank you. <laughs> Nehemiah uh, chapter 8, verse 10. Then they said to him, you know, I'm not even going to go into the story. I just want to use the scripture. Then they said to him, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared, for this day is holy to the Lord. Don't sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Oh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Let's just say that together. Only here's what you'll say. We will say, each of us, the joy of the Lord is my strength. On three, one, two, three. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Wow, wow, wow. Once more. One, two, three. Well, somebody was a little late right there, but, you know, but I like the emphasis there on strength. Yeah, the joy of the Lord is our strength. You know, I didn't put any note off to the side of this, but I'd like to see what Psalm 1611 says. You will show me the path of life. Oh, yeah, I love this. You will show me the path of life, Lord, because in your presence is fullness of in your presence is fullness of and at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Oh, the joy of the Lord is our strength. In his presence is fullness of joy. And at his right hand, his powerful, strong, delivering right hand are pleasures forevermore. Jesus came that we would, John 10, 10, that we would have life to the abundance, pleasures forevermore. It's good, isn't it? Then how about an amen? All right. Um. <clears throat> Now, we're going to, uh, I'm going to talk a little bit about Mexico. Uh, we had some videos, possible, possible videos to show, but I, I changed my mind um, because I want to just, I want to talk about it and I, and I want to end up having a time for ministry at the end here. But I learned so much this year. We were in Mexico for, I would say, a month, but we were two days short of a month. So we were in Mexico for almost a month. And oh my goodness, what an incredible, incredible time we had. Relaxing, restoration, just 
in a time of learning where God was speaking and showing and, and a, a lot of teaching for me. I, I just learned a ton this time. It's like, like a <clears throat> revelation. It's like, um, and one of the things that, that I learned there, and uh, oh, that just leads me to, man, I got excited, got up here and started reading scripture. I'd like to introduce two guys to you, if they would stand. In fact, would you guys come up here just for a second? I'm not going to make you talk. I'm not going to make you talk. Don't walk up here like well-dressed women. Come on, you're guys. Okay. What do you think? This is my bodyguard, Carlos. And this is my interpreter, his little brother, my interpreter. I thought he was going to say it. I was just kind of waiting. It's like, my interpreter, Fernando, these guys are, are Mexican nationals and very, very, very dear friends. How old are you, Carlos? Uh, 31. 31. So I was visiting Mexico and making really, really close friends, close-knit relationship with your father about six or seven years before you were even born. So that's some long-term relationship going on here. I appreciate these gentlemen. They, are, they, they come from wonderful stock. It's like great, great. And I'm going to talk a little bit about, I'm going to let you guys go now. Before you decide you want a microphone and start, you know, say. We, uh, we ended up in, in three services over there. Um, two of the services, Christy preached at the first service. At the third service, Pastor Christy preached at the first service. Pastor Dina preached at the third service, first, third. And uh, in Mexico, it's not really that frequent that women get up with a microphone and a pulpit and speak. It's like it almost doesn't happen. So it's really cool that they embrace that, that they receive that, and that the power and the anointing flows, and we got to see amazing things happen over there. But one of the things I learned there that had really nothing to do with, uh, with the church part of it is watching these guys drive. It's like... Man, it, they have a whole different set of rules. Stop signs are strictly suggestions. Uh, but the part that is really cool is that these people in their culture, at least this, the 37 years that we've been going to Puerto Vallarta, how'd I do? got to witness this, that they are so generous, I'm just going to say, with their space and their time. You know, if, if you were to pull off here, what they pull off there, your car would be totaled, demolished, or you would be shot or beaten. It's like when 
I'm just telling you, there can be a, a street that's just two lanes, three lanes, cars coming like crazy. You're sitting in the car and on the passenger side with a grip on the dash and making sure your seatbelt's buttoned, fastened. And they will just like nose out into the traffic. Just put the nose of their car out and the cars will stop and allow them to go out and, and like make a left-hand turn. And I was like, man, this... That's amazing. If in our culture here in the West you would try that, you would get hit, you would get ran into probably on purpose just to teach you a lesson because you encroached on my space. Just like, but I'm, I am dead serious about this. That's how, you know, they'll just ease out. The next guy will stop. Renee and I were, we were in a, in a taxi and one of the things that I learned, if you happen to be riding there in a taxi with the windows down, because they don't necessarily have air conditioning in all of the taxis, and your passenger, you stick your arm out the window, you are endangering your elbow because the lane that's between cars, if it's a, a two-lane or a four-lane four road, is a motorcycle lane now. And they will cruise right by, and you'll have a handlebar that'll hit you in the... <laughs> it's just like, oh, my word. And they will actually give way, you know, allow the motorcycles to end up going through the drivers there because they're that courteous of one another and allow. And it's like, oh, no big deal. The first time I saw that, I was like, they're crazy. Look at that. Look at that. It's like, oh, there comes another one and another one. It's... It's something that, that they allow one another to do and that they will give, again, I just say give space. And I was like, you know what, that kind of consideration is absolutely amazing. And if we were even just a little bit more like that, it would certainly change that whole road range, road rage thing and people getting shot. I mean, I can start getting a little nervous, like, let's go, let's go, let's go. It's like, oh, one more person, you know? It's like, oh, that's amazing. The consideration that they have for one another, even on the streets, and the willingness to serve each other. I just like, oh, my goodness. My hat's off to that part of your culture, how you, what you guys do. You're the most incredible servants that it's, it, it, uh, that's probably enough about that. Uh, but we did have some amazing and some incredible things happen. And, and one of the beautiful things is to go back to the same place and, and two of the, of the three churches were churches that we had ministered at before and to end up seeing people that are so hungry and looking forward to what you, we, have to bring. The things of God that we get to carry there. It's like, oh, man. I, I think Christy shared with you guys, little brat, uh, <laughs> kind of let the cat out of the bag, something I was so excited to come back and talk about. It's like, oh, I already told him. It's like, <laughs> so pretend... Pretend like you didn't hear it. Get to hear, hear my version of this, of this story. Well, we had gone with uh, their sister, dad, brother-in-law, 
to a restaurant after we had been to our second church service. And, and uh, I'm gonna, I have to give you the short version of this or I'll be running out of time. But we, we got there, we had at the Outback. We did not intend, intentionally end up at the Outback. We just ended up there, I'll just say. It was a God-ordained thing. He took us to the Outback. Uh, we went in, we got our seats. There, it's one of those long tables, and I sat at this end of the table. The rest of the party, there were nine of us that way, about five feet away. The next set of tables has about eight or ten people that direction. The guy sitting about five or six feet from me is, we're, we're almost through with our, with our lunch, dinner, 2.30, almost 3 o'clock by this time. And that guy is like, he's like kind of looking at me, and it's like, what are you looking at? <laughs> I don't know you, I don't think, but you're a little whiter than the rest of the people at your table, a little, little lighter skinned. And he said, are you from Caldwell? And it's like, Caldwell, Idaho, USA? Uh, uh, it's like, and I, uh, I, I'm just, yes. Is your name Lynn? It's like, am I about to be kidnapped? Are you FBI? Well, who are you? Uh, yes, I think so. Depends. Why? What do you, you know? I said, yes, yes, I, I, I am. And then it came out of his mouth, do you remember last year at this specific church, you know, uh, where you guys came and you prayed, and, and it's like, specifically, I happened to be the one that prayed for this guy along with whoever, I don't even know. I, 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 but in praying for him, it's like, we pray for a lot of people. We go there, we, we pray for people. And from, anyway, he said, well, I had just, you remember I had just come from Mayo Clinic? And it's like, do I remember? <laughs> keep talking, keep talking before I have to answer this, you know. And uh, I'd been diagnosed with, with cancer, and it was like cancer of the prostate. It had moved into my lymph nodes and through the, basically throughout his body, lymph nodes. And, and all he says, and, and you guys prayed, and when you prayed, I felt it. Basically, without going into all the details, I felt it. And I went back a couple months later to Mayo Clinic again, and I was completely cancer-free. Completely, 100% cancer cycle. Well, Craig was sitting across from me, Craig and Dean, we were, we were there together, and... and when he's saying that thing, one of the weird, kind of weird things that happens to me that I, I it's like, it's like, he's saying that, and I was like, <laughs> I did that thing, and Craig was watching, and he said, he did it at the same time you did. It's like, whoa, whoa, and I started crying, and I think he did too, but yeah, I am a crybaby when I, when I get into those kind of situations, but it was amazing to hear, and, and then uh, his dad, uh, their dad, Nacho, and I went and found this guy because he gave us a card and, and got to talk to him and visit with him, and he ended up sharing even more about what had happened and what things in his life. And while Nacho and I are there, the wife, who really doesn't speak English, is whispering in her husband's ear, and, 
And they brought their son, who was just visiting for the week, had another day or two left there, going to a, a, a liberal college in Canada, studying filmmaking or film production or something, but was really struggling. Well, Nacho and I got to talk with him, got to minister to him for probably about 30 minutes or so, and he gave his heart to the Lord. Uh, with his mama just watching, being a part of what was happening, and she's just like weeping like crazy. It's like, thank you, Jesus, for divine connection, divine intervention, divine encounters that he just puts together, and that was just like, that was like just a scratch in the surface of all the amazing things that we got to be a part of this time. I think that's the only one I really am going to end sharing right now. Uh, but we're going to end up having a, a service, we're going to do something where, because Pastor Dean has got a bunch of, you know, videos of testimony that would be really cool to actually see, see that. So one day we will... We will be doing that. For now, I want to turn to 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. Now, um, I'm going to inter interrupt here just for a second. What I was, a part of the message, or a big part of the message, was, was going to be about the gifts of the Spirit, operating in the gifts of the Spirit. Um, and how important it is, how valuable it is that we do operate in the gifts that he makes available to us and manifests to us and through us, you know, the value and importance of that, and how he distributes those gifts as he sees fit. But one of the things that is so incredibly important that we definitely realize is that gift that he gives us or has given us is for the body, it's not for us, and we're not identified by our gift. It's not part of our identity about who we are, it's, it, it's an accessory, <laughs> it's something that he uses us so he can flow through us. I just say it's like, you know, I get to be the van driver for like the publisher's clearinghouse. I'm the guy that gets to run around and hand the million-dollar check to somebody and celebrate with them. It's not my money, though. It, it's their money, and I just get to be the delivery guy. So when we think of it like that, it's like, you know, thank you, Lord, that you use me, that he uses you, and that all of us are valuable and important in the kingdom of God. And that... What I was even thinking about titling my message today is like the kingdom of God, that team has no competition. There is no competition on the kingdom of God team. When we're building the kingdom, we're part of the team, and there's no competition there. I think I'll come sit down for a while. No. My prop. Oh, I wonder what that was about. <laughs> Get some dust off of that thing. I have to read it to you. 
Preacher, feature, winner. This was my last competitive race. Main event winner, Meridian Speedway. Preacher, feature, the faster pastor. I really like to set it up somewhere high, but I. <laughs> and that was my last really highly competitive event because a few years before that got started really working on my heart because I have been a hyper competitive individual my whole life. I raised up really competitive kids. And uh, it's like, compete, compete, compete. When Christy Lynn was a youngster, I coached her basketball team, softball team, helped her with volleyball. And one year, when I was coaching Nampa Christians girls, like fourth and fifth or third and fourth grade, something like that, I had a a, a motto, which we ended up having, and I've, I've told this before, we ended up having imprinted on our trophies because we ended up winning the the total seat undefeated completely undefeated but (laughs) i was like d d this was something we went over at every practice and before every game d d demoralizing defense teach these third graders to be demoralizing (laughs) they keep score in a game because they're supposed to be a winner And if we can demoralize the other team, take their hope away, guaranteed win. Are you hearing me, Travis? Yeah. That was my motto. We will win. We did win. And there were two coaches that season that absolutely turned their back and refused to shake my hand. Such poor sports. God started working on my heart. It's like, it's not always about winning. And as I entered my 50s, which was quite a few years later, he really started working on my heart to the point like, you know, um, Ryan, Friday night, he, he shared a message. There were three messages shared. They were all incredible, amazing, but Ryan's really resonated with me because he started talking about a leader that's not the boisterous, the loud, the but understanding your identity and having confidence in who you are in Christ, that you don't have to be super loud, you don't have to be super competitive, you don't have to win all the time. You can be a consistent voice, a good leader that ultimately people will be drawn back to, even if you're not the loud voice, the charismatic person. And it's like, that's good. That's that's good stuff right there. Now, I took Ryan for the first time shooting sporting clays here just a few years ago. Uh, For him to go with me, he wanted to have a meeting with me, talk to me about asking my daughter to be his girlfriend. So I took him out to show him how well I could shoot. 
And, you know, and he learned. And we came back and he was impressed. A little nervous about the question that he was about to ask me, but... Uh, no, and in the conversation that we had, I raised my daughter up to be super competitive. I raised her to be a leader. I made her play on four different teams so she could end up rising to the top to be a leader on each team that she played on because I'm raising her up to be competitive, I'm raising her up to be a winner, and I'm raising her up to be a leader. So when it got time for her to start dating and for men to come into her life, she was pretty intimidating. Can you imagine that? Then Ryan came along. I went out with Ryan and spent some... <clears throat> Stop it, Lynn. We spent some time together, and I, and I got to know who he was, and as we sat in front of my house, and, and we talked, and I, that he... Oh, brother. He knew who he was, that it's not about competition. I can value the gift that she has and that she carries and I don't have to compete with her because I know who I am and I recognize that in him and I said yes I would love for her to be your girlfriend because you know who you are and you can end up handling that force right there <laughs> and look what you got <laughs> Look what I got. And that's reflected in who he is and what he does. That's what he carries. It's like he knows. He's just Mr. Steady. Uh, now I'm going to throw this part in. I, uh, I started shooting sporting clays probably 30 years ago, and I got pretty good at it. And uh, I, I took Ryan out the other day and let him use my shotgun. I always like to have an edge, you know? Uh, I have a really nice shotgun. And, uh, and I took Jordan. You remember, everybody, we enjoyed, enjoyed Jordan, right? And we went out and we shot sporting clays and I decided, go ahead and look smart and wear my glasses. Wearing my glasses, I shot the same as I shot the very first time before I even learned how to shoot sporting clays. And Ryan outshot me by about mm, seven or eight, a significant number of clays. And it's just like, when we're done, if his last name would have been Hardy instead of Brodeen, I would have had a hard time outliving that score because I shot a 29 and he shot a 35. It's like, oh my goodness. But I didn't have to take off my glasses to improve my score to be able to beat my son-in-law. I just went ahead and got the poor score. <laughs> Okay, no, the real, the real story is, Ryan, this is amazing, you're on, you're on task to be shooting a 40, a score in the 40s, and I, I celebrated that with him, and that got into his head and he choked, so he ended up with the 35, but no, the reality is that as we, as we embrace others and are willing 
to celebrate seeing someone else succeed, then we are operating as <laughs> kingdom team members. It's like, oh, make sense? Okay. So it, it wasn't about letting him win. It was about celebrating the incredible improvement because typically he shoots in the 20s. Uh, And then he wanted to buy my shotgun. <laughs> okay, now we're at uh, 1 Timothy 6, 6 through 10. Now godliness with contentment is great gain. Godliness with contentment is great gain. Matthew 6.33 says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That's godliness. Walking in his righteousness is godliness. Godliness, walking in his righteousness, when we're stepping into our calling, like Abraham and Sarah, when the promises of God started to come to fruition in their life, it's time to laugh and celebrate. So when we begin to put, seek first the kingdom of God and put him first above all things, God honors that, and then we begin to see things come to fruition in our lives that he's promised us, and that's when life actually gets fulfilling for us. You with me? When we're fulfilling our purpose is when we begin to be fulfilled within ourselves because that's what we were called to do. So we're in alignment with God, what he's called us to do. We could say in the center of his will, and I say, man, as long as I'm somewhere in that target area, constantly shooting for the center, but I want to always be in the target. I thought that was a little more profound than that, but... Okay, uh, verse 7. For we brought nothing into this, so godliness with contentment is great gain, for we bought, brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Next. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drowned men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. It's like, oh. Does it say there's anything wrong with being rich? Absolutely not. When we are faithful to God and we're operating in what he has called us to do, we are in alignment with his will and purpose for us. He wants to bless us. So it's a wonderful thing to be rich as long as the love of money is not what we're chasing, what we're pursuing. It's a seek first the kingdom of God. And then it says, you will have no other gods. You'll put no other God above or before me. 
So as long as money doesn't come our, become our God and it's something that we're pursuing, that we're chasing, it's the most important thing in our lives, that's when it becomes a, a God above our God. Are you with me? Is money a bad thing? No, absolutely not. Is prosperity a bad thing? No, it's a wonderful blessing. It's a wonderful blessing. That's great, great, great. As long as that's not what you're pursuing, that that's not part of your identity, even like a gift that we operate in, that's not my identity. That's not who I am. That's just a blessing that God has given me. With me? Okay. I'd like to turn to Philippians 4, 11 through 13. Not that I speak in regard to need, for I've learned in whatever state I am to be, what? Content. Godliness with contentment. Where we're not discontented, but maybe there's something better. There's something over the hill. There's something that I'm missing. That's discontentment. I know how to be abased. I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things, I've learned both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. It's like what Paul is saying is, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. He's the one who's in control, and as long as I am content and have an attitude of gratitude for what I do have, he has more for me. Ephesians 2.10 For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, he has created us with a purpose, a plan for our lives, and his desire is for us to walk in that plan, to walk out the calling that he's given us because he established, created, and had a plan even before you were born for the good works that you would do. Now, we, some of the things that I've talked about with my, our uh, Mexican friends and, and, and what they have done and the impact, what they have done, the impact that they've had in, in my life. Uh, I want to turn to Matthew 23, verses 11 and 12. Sort of Jesus. This is red letter. Jesus talking to his disciples, and he says, But he who is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whoever exalts himself will be humbled, and he who humbles himself will be exalted. It's like, hmm, that's powerful right there, isn't it? It's like, and instead of going, let's go to First Peter chapter 5, 6 through 8. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may, what? And what does exalt mean? Lift you up, put you in, in, in a place, raise you up, 
Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. Let's just ponder on that one for a little while. It's what, it's what he's saying. If, and this is where we go into um, that whole where we can end up finding ourselves being competitive. I need to, I need to. I remember when Christy Lent, Pastor Christy first went to, to Bethel and came back and started sharing some things. It's like, man, you enter into that culture and it's almost like competitive. Who's got the best testimony? What, what happened here? Did you remember the da 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 And they would come back together and have their rally times. And, well, I did this and I had these, this many people, saw this many people saved and, and we had healing. And I was like, oh, this is like a competition. I have to have a better story than you have. This makes sense? It's like we have to be so careful that we don't start building on and keeping score and looking at others and feeling like we're competing with somebody else to end up <laughs> and attaching our identity to the gift that we have and to some of the fruit that we see and are exposed to through that gift. Are you tracking with me? It's like, oh man, the kingdom of God is, is, is amazing and the manifestations of Jesus are amazing and what he will do in our lives and through our lives because that's what his desire is to do through us when we will humble ourselves, give him the opportunity to raise us up, exalt us and use us. It's like in due time, in due time, if you humble yourselves, he will raise you up, will exalt you, will anoint you. What we try to do without the anointing, we're just doing on our own. And it, so many things, I go back to what, what Ryan, if I would have knew what the kid knew when he's 28 years old, like, holy smoke. I'm like 60 before I figured out some of this stuff. Thinking, I gotta win, I gotta win, I gotta win, gotta win at everything, gotta win at everything, I gotta win, gotta win. And that's how I can establish my identity. I'm a winner. It's like, no, no, no. The greatest of you will be the servant of all. And when I can be, remember when I drew the, some of my fantastic design where I drew the pyramid and you are at the top of that? And when I can be one of those two that's immediately under there, that is supporting you, that's encouraging you, that's lifting you up and that's holding you up, then I'm fulfilling the purpose in my life because I am serving you, I'm encouraging you, I'm cheering you on and rallying you. Just making sense. I've got to tell you one more story that had my sons absolutely furious because they were very, very competitive as well. There was a guy that came into, in, into our life and he's like very, very boisterous, big, loud, proud, and incredibly gifted in all kinds of areas. I just happened to be a better shooter. <laughs> but, and he bought a new shotgun, a really fancy shotgun, and wanted to go out 
and try again. And I took my two sons and him and we, we were uh, affiliated with a, a trap club. And so they let me come out. They set up one trap and we practiced with his gun. And, and uh, my sons were there. And this guy, not mentioning any names, was there. And we're, we're shooting and we're shooting. And it's like, oh, man, he spent a ton of money on a shotgun. He's really proud of it. And, and he, needs, he needs a win. And I didn't focus as hard as I normally would. It's like I said, I'm in my late 50s by now, mid or late 50s by now. And it's like, I don't have to win. I didn't just spend $1,500 or $2,000 on a shotgun, and I'm not struggling with my identity, and I don't have to. I said, you know what? I can just have fun. I'm, I'm not just going to absolutely give it away. I'm not going to misintentionally, but I'm not going to try really hard. I don't have to win this time. And oh my goodness, my sons were absolutely furious. Dad, boom, you let that loudmouth jerk win? It's like, that's because that loudmouth jerk needed a win. You know, there are people in our lives that are loudmouth jerks that absolutely irritate us, that all they really need is to be supported in a win, that need, need to be encouraged in a win. You hear me? It's like, we don't have to win all the time. Sometimes it's raising somebody else up, allowing them to have the win, encouraging them in that. So, Ryan, I hope you're listening. <laughs> no. no. Oh, can't believe I did that. Can't believe I did that. Renee's going to have a talk with me when I get home. <laughs> Guaranteed. That anointed woman right there. It's like, what did you do that for? I... Sorry. 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 What? <laughs> it's a process. Um, so, okay. I probably have one more scripture. Yes, I do. We're going to conclude with Romans 12, verse 10. Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love in honor, giving preference to one another. Uh, let's read that together. On three, one, two, three. Be kindly. Oh, you did so good. I'd love to hear that again. Once more. One, two, three. I just want to jump up and down and say hallelujah to that. It's like, yes, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You know, when we are to continue in a bond of love and unity, that's what needs to be happening in our midst, in our lives, and in our congregation, and in those that we minister to and influence outside the walls of this church. Let's stand. If I could get a prayer team up here. We are. Now we came, pastors... Christy Ryan, Pastor Dina, Craig, myself, Renee, we just came off an incredible 
basically a ministry trip where we were vacationing. We got to see <laughs> people set free. We got to see people delivered. We got to see a, a lot of healings, healings from cancer, from uh, botched surgeries, just a number of things. So I'm going to ask Dina, uh, Pastor Dina and, and her Camden, whatever, <laughs> her Camden, to come up here as well, and I want to conclude in, in prayer, but I want to invite you, if, you know, Pastor Matthew made the declaration, and, and we grabbed on to some healings, we grabbed on to some of the deliverance, we, we grabbed on and embraced some of the things of the declarations that were made here this morning, but if you still have a need in your life, and if... if a need, a question. If you've never asked Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, man, today is a day of salvation. I would invite you to come, ask Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, to lead, guide, and direct you, and guarantee you he will meet you right here at the front. If you need prayer for anything, if you need healing in your body, I'll tell you, I'll be asking Pastor Nate to come up here as well, I would encourage you, if you need a physical healing, come to the front. If you need a spiritual, if you need deliverance, I say, come to the front. There are people here that are ready to let God use them at where his power will flow through them and you will get to be the recipient. So I just encourage you, come. Father, we just thank you for your goodness. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for your promises in your word. It says, you know, it's not just a gospel of words, but a gospel of power. It's not just a gospel of words. Your Bible, this book is full of promises, and it is a gospel of power. And there's a powerful team up here that's ready to allow the power and presence of God to flow through them, to touch you, to heal you, to fulfill whatever his promise is in your life, they can end up administering and passing through to you. I am believing today. And so I release you in the mighty name of Jesus. Say, walk in his blessing, in his presence, because in his presence is fullness of joy. So let's go out of here with a smile on our face, letting the joy of the Lord not only be our strength, but radiate through us to bless those around us. I just thank you for that blessing in Jesus' name. Amen.